This is episode 248 of the AWS podcast, released on June 12th, 2018. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Lesher here with you, as always, and we have a special series taking place. This is a series from AWS Security and Compliance, and it's around GDPR readiness. So it's a special series that you'll hear from week to week, exploring some of the nuances of meeting the requirements of GDPR, and how using AWS services can make this easier for customers. So go ahead, take a listen, let us know what you think. AWS Podcast at Amazon.com is the place for feedback. And until next time, keep on building. Welcome to the AWS Security and Compliance Podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm Laramie. This is our series on GDPR that, of course, is the General Data Protection Regulation, a law that strengthens data privacy rights in the EU. And, of course, it applies to any business offering goods or services to EU citizens or peoples. Joining us today is Ken, Senior Manager of AWS Key Management Service, also known as KMS. Welcome, Ken. Welcome. Thanks for inviting me, guys. Appreciate you being here and sitting down with us. Okay. So GDPR, if you do a, a little control F on the regulation itself, mentions encryption, we wanted to say four times, didn't we? we yeah, that? I want to say it was four <laughs> times. It's a big call out, actually. Uh, it was Don't very quote specific. Us on that. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess real basically, you know, how does KMS help customers meet an encryption requirement or standard? Sure, that's a great question, Laramie. Woo-hoo. So encryption, uh, the way we think about encryption here at AWS is it is a another security control that will let customers get confident about the access controls that they have on their data. So if you think about security primitives of confidentiality, integrity, availability, uh, confidentiality is that I want to make sure that only the right people get access to my data. And so encryption is a good way to minimize the risk of people getting unauthorized access to data. Uh, now, the key pun intended, with encryption, uh, <laughs> is that it only works if you can also control who has access to the keys that will encrypt and decrypt this data. And so if you boil it down to the right mental model for encryption in the cloud, think of it as uh, you can control who has access to the data object itself, or the resource, as we call it in AWS. But now you also want to be able to control who has access to the keys. And you want those rules to be independent of each other. In fact, it's even better when different sets of people or different teams are controlling access to those things. Why is that relevant? Well, uh, if you have paid attention to the news, uh, you've seen some examples where people have stored some of their data in cloud-based services, and somebody inadvertently opens up access to that data to many more people than expected, in some cases the general public, right? And so if you have a certain team that owns the data, and they're thinking about ways in which they can make that data accessible to a broad audience uh, to solve some business need, then uh, by using encryption, you can have a security team that's thinking about, well, I want to ensure that only the right people, even if they can get to the data, they won't be able to decrypt it if they can also, unless they also have access to the keys. So sometimes we use the term belt and suspenders, uh, defense in depth, Uh, So these are mechanisms that customers can use to further ensure they're getting the confidentiality and the integrity on their data that they expect. One of the classical problems in a lot of on-premise systems is that the keys are stored by the same service that's responsible for storing the data, right? Because they want those keys easily accessible. They know encryption takes CPU time. It adds latency. So... Let's uh, have these keys close by so that we can give access to data quickly. 
with KMS, the idea is that the keys needed to decrypt that data, ultimately, you have to come back to the service. And the service is independent from any other AWS service, as well as any application the customers might want to run themselves inside EC2. So uh, just because you have access to the encrypted data, you now have to figure out, how am I going to cause these this data to get decrypted? Uh, and now you have to attack an entirely different service, KMS. And KMS is designed uh, with really some of the highest security properties around in terms of operating the service. Uh, we have designed the service such that even our own developers don't have any ability to access customer keys. Uh, and we have checks and double checks and triple checks to ensure that keys are being used correctly uh, and being used in ways customers expect. And there's no mechanism by which AWS has the ability to compromise those keys. So we think that if you are configuring encryption correctly with KMS, that you have a very strong story to thwart any rogue actors, uh, as well as prevent any accidental misconfiguration by your own team. Like a lot of services, a holistic approach, encrypt the data, KMS help you encrypt the data, help you manage the keys, um, and then it actually integrates into services itself. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at all of the major storage services, uh, they all integrate with KMS. Uh, I think the absolute number were up over 50. AWS services that integrate directly with KMS. Uh, use the database example. So you're using RDS and you want to generate a, a MySQL database instance. You can say, as a part of my call to RDS to create that database for me, you can say, I want this encrypted and I want it to be tied to a KMS master key with this name. This is something that you would have previously created inside KMS. And so RDS will do all the work to ensure that any data that you write to that database is encrypted and access to that data is controlled by access policies on the master key inside KMS. Uh, and so that ability to... Uh, use keys in the proper way to make sure that there's limited blast radius across large data sets and ensure that any direct access to that database also must require direct access to the KMS service uh, is all work that we do transparently on behalf of customers. And so in many ways, if you're using the AWS console, you can tick a box and select a master key from a dropdown and you're done, right? Your 50 terabyte database will be automatically encrypted. That's amazing. Yeah. So is there a common configuration mistake with KMS or is the mistake not enabling KMS? I mean, is there something that customers most often um, need help with, in your opinion, with KMS? Well, uh, if you go back to kind of the general value proposition of encryption as being yet another access control mechanism, uh, to get that independence uh, because that's a great security control that often creates some friction for teams who are trying to build their access control policies across a large workload. So if you have data, let's talk about any type of um, data that might be susceptible to PCI. Uh, you've got to control all of the services that might touch that data. So your EC2 instances, uh, your S3 buckets for storage. Uh, you might be sending things to an analytics service like uh, Elastic MapReduce or Athena, right? And trying to understand all of the users, uh, whether they're humans or applications that need access to that data to move it around inside your workload. You also have to think about, well, how do they have access to that, to those encryption keys? And so trying to match those in the right way and getting teams to work with each other 
uh, can be challenging. Uh, we would argue that it's worth the effort to make sure you get that right, because again, you're looking for defense in depth. Uh, if if you had a mechanism, which uh, we see several cloud providers just say, oh, it's encrypted by default, uh, and you don't have to do anything about it, like you're not really giving security value for an independent access control mechanism. If it happens automatically, then anybody who has access to the data automatically gets to decrypt, mm. right? Uh, and so you actually have to spend some more effort to think about your key management story and how you're going to manage that. Uh, one of the nice things about KMS is that we don't make you think about the billions or even trillions of encryption keys that might be needed to encrypt all of your resources inside the cloud. We only make you reason about kind of a higher level abstraction, this thing we call a customer master key. And a customer master key may be used to encrypt what are referred to as data keys. And those data keys map to individual resources inside AWS. Uh, but the only way those data keys can be used is if they're passed back and forth between KMS. So you can look at a single master key and say, here are the one, two, 20 different entities uh, inside my company that have access to use that key to decrypt. And that will flow down to 13 database instances and a billion S3 objects to ensure that only those people can access that data. So we think we've simplified the model. Uh, we've minimized the arcane requirements for managing encryption and key management. Uh, so it's more accessible to business users. And of course, the access control mechanisms we use in KMS are identical to the ones people use with identity and access management. The idea of deletion comes up quite a bit in terms of customer data, PII, um, having records of deletion and so on. And one of the things that continually came up in some of the tech meetings around GDPR was that the safest way to do this might be to encrypt, delete, and then throw away the key. Can you kind of walk us through what that means from a tech perspective and why that might be a safe manner for customers to act to delete things? Sure. So uh, there's this concept called cryptographic delete. Uh, there's also a term called cryptographic shred. Uh, it's the idea that if you uh, have assurances that the encryption key is gone, then it doesn't really matter how many copies of the encrypted data might be lying around because you get assurances based on the belief that encryption is resistant to brute force attacks. And you say, well, no one's going to be able to access this data. So if you imagine a bunch of data that you've been developing and, and writing to a system over time, and then you now have a requirement to get rid of it all, uh, AWS is generally very uh, easy to understand where your data is because all of the services provide very rich describe APIs or list APIs. So in general, you can get a sense of where your stuff is and ask the service to delete on your behalf. We do see customers with you know, millions of resources, if not billions, uh, where they realize, I'm concerned that I might have missed something, right? Um, however, if you know that you have asked all of those resources to be encrypted under a master key in KMS, uh, then you can take an action on that single key, that's a single resource inside KMS, and effectively block access to 
an unlimited number of AWS resources or resources that you're running inside your own application. So there's a uh, the best practice in terms of managing encryption keys that you'll see in a lot of the NIST SB800 reports is to delete all your data, then wait for some period of time to make sure that you, know, you get some assurances that that data is in fact gone, and then delete keys at the last stage, right? And <clears throat> one of the things that we see customers doing with KMS is they'll perhaps start by disabling a key inside KMS because every access to any piece of data will always require a call back into KMS. So they can see, oh, that call failed to KMS. Uh, and disabling the key is a precursor to deleting the key. But you can use things like CloudWatch metrics and get visibility and say, oh, there is some data over there. Uh, maybe I didn't intend to delete that selection of data. Or I, in fact, did not get any requests to decrypt data over the past month, two months, three months, right? So now I have some stronger assurances that I can go about actually deleting the key. And once you issue the delete command to KMS, then anything that was ever encrypted under that key is forever irretrievable. So again, you get much more assurance that in an attempt to comply with GDPR, when you want to forget a particular user or forget an entire class of data, uh, that you don't have to necessarily keep track of all the places where that data exists, uh, you can look at the single encryption key at the top of the hierarchy and say, I'm going to manage access at that level, which will then ensures deletion of everything below it. So how have you seen the security space change over the years you've been here, or just years in general? Start as a catapult. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so I can speak to certainly the, the encryption market over yeah. the years where uh, in order to use it effectively, you typically had to have uh, people on staff who understood the technology. And it, even among computer scientists, they will say this is a pretty arcane area, right? It's where you make a leap from computer science into higher math. Uh, and so – the end result is you get industries who say, well, encryption is valuable to me, and either it's a good idea to do it or I must do it if I'm, say, a financial services company or I'm in healthcare, uh, certain government industries. But uh, I can't necessarily cobble it together myself, so let me go look for vendors' products. Uh, and over the past 30 years, the vendors who provide products in this space have kind of realized they own a big chunk of a very niche market. Uh, and so they drive a lot of perceived value and costs tend to be very high. Um, the other thing about these encryption products is they're designed to be run inside companies. And so a lot of the security products weren't really designed for scale. And they start to get very expensive on a per unit basis uh, and very difficult to scale and manage across large geographies. So uh, as cloud computing came into being, people realized, boy, I can scale just by clicking a button uh, and it's really inexpensive, now they have to think differently about how they're going to apply security properties. And one of the nice things about AWS is that it lets you think about securing the data itself rather than having to think about securing the system. Yeah. So being able to apply encryption at the data level and do that in a way that's easily managed if I have trillions of data objects uh, is 
really an interesting application of encryption. And I think we're starting to see some customers really take advantage of this. That's super interesting. How difficult is is it to kind of break that mentality? Uh, it depends on the industry. Certainly, if you are in a regulated industry, you've spent several years kind of getting approval from the regulators about here's how I protect my data. I use this kind of product. It has that kind of certification from a third party. Uh, I do auditing in this way. I control access in that way. And so when you're trying to move workloads wholesale to cloud providers like AWS, the mechanisms that you're using to provide the same security value look different. Uh, and so we see a lot of the I'll call the business or the operations side of customers who are very eager to take advantage of AWS APIs and love the way security scales, uh, given that it's also very inexpensive. Uh, they sometimes struggle to connect the dots for their regulators to say, hey, this is as trustworthy or in many cases more trustworthy than what we have been doing previously because we have all of this granular control. All of these controls work consistently across all of AWS for all customers. Uh, and I get this powerful auditing and logging solution, uh, as well as the tools to be able to search that for things like Macy. So that's a, a journey that we often have to work with customers, the, the DevSecOps team that's raring to go, uh, but then gets told no by security or audit because they don't quite understand how they're going to tell this story to third parties. So, Ken, I'm going to give you the headline, and you explain to me what it means for customers, why it's such a positive as folks look at their own you know, privacy and security standards. And it's AWS KMS now offers FIPS 140-2 validated cryptographic models, enabling easier adoption of the service for regulated workloads. So, what it means, Larrabee, is that customers can trust that the cryptography that's happening within the KMS service has been validated using really the gold standard of validation programs, which is FIPS 140-2. Uh, there are other services, uh, certainly other products that rely on some of these uh, existing encryption vendors who have been around for many years, if not decades. Uh, and those service providers uh, will rely on somebody else's validation and somebody else's crypto code. In KMS, we have built our own solutions, uh, certainly built on top of open source, commonly well-understood algorithms. Uh, but we needed to take our implementation through this process to assure to customers that what we did was correct. Because again, they're not going to be able to see the encryption happen, uh, and they can't necessarily evaluate the correctness of that encryption themselves. So they rely on government programs like NIST to do that. So this is, again, stronger assurance. This is a common requirement that pops up inside RFPs from customers in regulated industries because FIPS 140-2 has been a program that's been in place since the 90s. People come to expect it with any type of encryption solution. Great. Well, we really appreciate you talking to us today, Ken. Again, if you're interested in learning more about KMS, it's aws.amazon.com slash KMS. If you do need GDPR information, of course, aws.amazon.com slash compliance slash GDPR dash center. We've got white papers, FAQs, videos, maybe this podcast even there. So, uh, <laughs> That's right. Make sure you check in with your own legal and compliance experts for any of the use cases that apply to you. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. Thank you. Thank you.